You don't need special gadgets to be a hero. With unlimited 1.5% cash back on every purchase everywhere, the Capital One Quicksilver card makes you the hero of every purchase. Whether it's headphones, a lounge chair, or even a well-deserved massage, whatever the Quicksilver purchase, you're the hero. No fighting bad guys, getting in epic car chases, or parachuting out of buildings required. Simple, isn't it? The Capital One Quicksilver card. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Hey, everyone. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new truck like a rugged half-ton Tundra, combining raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant that makes this Stuff You Should Know. Um, the late night edition. It's late. How's it going, Chuck? Great. Awesome. Couldn't be better. How are you? Same. Just the same. So, uh, Chuck, I got a story for you. Let's hear it. Uh, back in 1845, in a little town called Weymouth, Massachusetts, although in Massachusetts they probably pronounce it in some radically different way than it would be spelled. Weymouth. Weymouth or, Weymouth or Worcester or something weird yeah. like that. Um, there was a woman named... Um, Maria Ann Bickford, and she was a prostitute, and she was discovered on October 27th of that year, murdered, and brutally murdered, actually. Uh, and it was quickly traced back to a guy by the name of Albert Terrell. Jack the Ripper? No, but it was Ripper-esque. Her head was severed, or almost completely severed. Yeah, and it was with the knife. Um, and, but the 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 reason everybody knew it was Albert Terrell was because that was her boyfriend, and he had left his wife for her. He was a wealthy guy in Massachusetts, and he left his wife to be with uh, Maria Ann Bickford, um, and he wanted her to quit the quit the job. I guess you could call it. I would say that too. Well, she didn't. She liked having a uh, an income because she didn't have to depend on any man for um, whatever she wanted. And she refused. Which and is ironic, though, because she was depending on men. Yeah, for yeah, her income. that is very ironic, actually. Yeah. Um, she uh, ultimately died, was murdered, and it was Albert Terrell who who admitted to doing it. But he was sleepwalking. He said it was a pretty thin case, but he was ultimately acquitted, even though he had set three fires in the brothel in an obvious attempt to cover up what he'd done while he was still supposedly sleepwalking. But the jury bought it. And one of the reasons they bought it was because it was a jury of wealthy white men who weren't about to put one of their own behind bars, uh-huh. as big of a crook as he was. But secondly, because in 1845, we didn't really understand sleepwalking. We didn't understand what people were capable of. We didn't understand how sleepwalking worked. And I know you sent me an article as recently uh, as a month or so ago a guy in Arizona was acquitted of sexual assault 
because he was sleepwalking, right? Yeah, it was Illinois, but um, that was today. The news articles from today. Wow, so even better, even more recent. recent, which makes my point even more thorough. Which is, we don't understand sleepwalking too terribly much more than we did in 1845, as far as explaining why it happens. Right. Right. Absolutely. But there are some really interesting aspects of this uh, this sleep disorder, which is called a parasomnia. Right. Yes, yeah, it's, it's that's one of many, but it's called uh, somnambulism specifically. Sleepwalking is. And, uh, not to be confused with botulism. No, not at all. Uh, and there's an official definition, if you want to look in a, in a mental health professional handbook. Called the, the DSM-4? Yes. Uh, you leave your bed while you're sleeping, and uh, you find it. others find it difficult to wake you when you're sleep, uh, sleepwalking. You can't remember what happened afterward. Uh, you're confused when you wake up. You aren't suffering from dementia or anything else uh, physical. That's a big one. And it impairs your social life or work life or your life. And that's for straight up sleepwalking. Yeah. There are, sleepwalking can be a symptom of uh, things like dementia or Parkinson's or something like that. But that's um, kind of significant. And you should think that it's found in the DSM-4, which is the psychological Bible. Right. right? So it's it's considered a, a disorder, a, a disorder of arousal, I think is what it's called, right? Yes. So, Chuck, while you're sleeping, um, when does this occur? When does it take place? Uh, if you're an adult, or actually kids too, I think it occurs in the first third of your sleep, which is the, the non-REM sleep, which is when your body is, uh, you're in your deepest state of sleep, but your body is kind of awake. So you're tossing and turning a lot, but your brain is shut down. So it's sort of the opposite of REM sleep. Right, you've got non-REM and REM sleep, right? And um, usually sleepwalking occurs during the deepest part, which is what I think phase three or four, or possibly three and four, when, uh, as Katie Lambert, who wrote this article, put it, um, with REM sleep, your brain's active, but your body's not. With non-REM sleep, which is when sleepwalking occurs, your brain is just dead to the world, but your body's still moving around. Yes. Which accounts for sleepwalking, right? Perfect recap. Thanks a lot. Uh, and, you know, your brain is, is also resistant to arousal when you're asleep, so that explains why it's hard to wake somebody up when they're sleepwalking. But it's not dangerous necessarily. No, and uh, that's a question that we should probably just go ahead and answer. Should you wake a sleepwalker? You've, you've heard warnings against that kind of thing, I think, on everything from the Brady Bunch to... Hawaii Five-0, let's say. Okay. Uh, myth. Yes. You can wake a sleepwalker, but the rule I put in is wake a sleepwalker like you would want to be wakened just from bed. Don't go shaking them or anything. You wouldn't do that to somebody laying in bed asleep either. They'll probably have a heart attack. So be gentle and try and guide them back to the bed. If they wake up, that's fine. But it's not, it's not like a danger. They're not going to have a heart attack if they and die if they're awake uh, from sleepwalking. No, but you could arouse their startle response, and um, they are going to be confused and not know what's going on. That's, like you said, one of the symptoms of sleepwalking. Um, But if you do manage to get the sleepwalker back to bed and they lie back down and that's it, you can pretty much rest assured that there's not going to be another incident like that because most people sleepwalk only once per night, interestingly. That's what they say. And 30 seconds to a half hour, I've heard it even longer than that. I yep. guess it, it very much depends on what's going on 
or maybe what you feel like you have to get done while you're walking around in your sleep. Uh, you're going to be sort of zombified, but you're not going to be walking around with your arms out in front of you like in the movies. That's a bunch of bunk. Um, and you're probably going to be pretty clumsy, but you can still perform activities, which is kind of the weird thing about it. One of the weird things about it. Right. You, you just perform them clumsily. Or you, I guess. oddly, I guess is another way to put it. Yeah. Um, and sleepwalking is one of these, it's a hilarious disorder, really, because it's not generally that dangerous or doesn't have to be that dangerous, although it can put you in dangerous yeah. situations. And people have been hurt um, in sleepwalking, but the idea of just, you know, interacting with somebody with a glassy-eyed look on their face who's clumsily playing the guitar, right? It's that's a funny disorder. Yeah, it's funnier I've than cancer. I've never had the chance. I haven't either. I've I've never been much of a sleepwalker. I don't think I've ever sleepwalked. Oh, I've sleepwalked, but I've never interacted with someone who was sleepwalking. Gotcha. So, yeah, I've done it myself, though. It's good. It's a lot of fun. But it's one of these conditions where we have all this evidence and all this data. We just haven't been able to fully put it together to figure it out once and for all, which makes for a better podcast for us, right? Um, a little bit more uh, data that we have on it, Chuck is that um, sleepwalking tends to run in families. Children yeah. sleepwalk more than adults by far. Yeah, you're ten times more likely if your family, uh, if you have a family member who has sleptwalked, to be a sleepwalker yourself. So is it sleptwalked or sleepwalked? No, no, no. Sleptwalk? Sure. That sounds good to me. We'll just call it SW past tense. Uh, it more often is found in kids, obviously. It's something you usually outgrow. Uh, more often identical twins, which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, well, gene expression and all. And uh, I think they said adults, 2.5 to 4% of adults sleepwalk. And this is they're almost always uh, adults who sleepwalked as children. Right. And if you start sleepwalking for the first time as an adult, you might want to like get that checked out. You definitely want to get that checked out because, again, it can be a symptom of another another problem like um, Parkinson's, uh, Alzheimer's, um, severe stress, I think, has been associated with it. Not just in children or not adults, but children, too, yeah. which I'm, I was kind of like, if you have a child who's suffering from sleepwalking and it's stress-related... What are you doing to your poor kid to where you, yeah. the kid's suffering from such stress that he's running around at night? You Absolutely. Know? I wonder what I was stressed about. I don't know, man. Uh, I find it odd that you haven't asked me about sleepwalking yet, even though I've said three times that I've sleptwalked. I'm trying to uh, drum up the tension. <laughs> uh, they used to think that um, it was like a, an epileptic thing or hysteria. Well, it still is associated with epilepsy, actually. Well, it, hysteria is kind of out the window, though. Yeah. They still think it's uh, caused by epilepsy, though? It's associated with it still, yeah. Did not know that. Yeah. We should change this article. <laughs> uh, and like you said, no one knows exactly why it's happening, um, but they can just say kind of what goes on when it does happen. Right, right. We have all this information that hasn't been fully put together, which, again, I find fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. So, Chuck, um, what are some of the, I guess, competing theories for why we sleepwalk? Uh, well, it's a lot of people think it's just like you're in a transition stage between being awake and being asleep. So if you've got a dead brain, well, not dead, if you've got a very sleepy brain and a very wired body, mm -hmm. uh, you could potentially get triggered. They they think a lot of times, I saw this one study where um, they took 10 sleepwalkers and um, they they kept them awake for more than 24 hours and then allowed them to sleep, and they found that a buzzer going off 
100%, all 10 people got up and slept walked when they heard this buzzer. Weird. After sleep deprivation and before, during just regular sleep, uh, three out of 10 were triggered by the buzzer. So they think that like any noise, like a dog barking outside could like wake you up, wake your body up mm-hmm. and send you doing whatever. Good to know. Yeah. Uh, and sleep deprivation is a uh, magic term as far as sleepwalking goes. They found that um, sleepwalking increases dramatically in in studies when they're sleep deprived, when the person's sleep deprived yeah. first. And they recommend also that if your kid um, is sleepwalking, you uh, should not only decrease their stress somehow, maybe let them give up the trumpet if they really hate it. Right. Um, but also to get them on like a regular sleep schedule too, that that could be part of it as well, that they may just be sleep deprived and stressed out. Yeah, adults Poor too. little kids. For sure. Um, the, another theory with the kids is that there's all kinds of crazy hormones being shot about the body uh, during the night and that that may disrupt the kid. And that's why that would explain why it like tapers off after puberty. Yes. Um, have you ever like done something, say driving or walking or doing anything where you realized you got somewhere and you hadn't been paying attention. You didn't really, it wasn't like you were blacked out or you were drunk or impaired or anything, but you were just distracted or doing something else. Daydreaming. Absolutely. So I would imagine that that has a lot to do with how we could possibly sleepwalk. It's like maybe more a basic part of our brain is activated. Right. Like the brainstem with that controls like breathing, walking, that kind of stuff. Correct. Right. So maybe it's all brainstem. Makes sense to me. Uh, people have actually killed people in their sleep. Like you said, the first guy, uh, there was someone else who, and it kind of depends on the case from what I've seen. Some of them get acquitted. Some of them get convicted. Uh, one guy stabbed his wife 45 times and he was convicted. Another guy, uh, murdered his father and he was acquitted. So I guess it's sort of a crapshoot. There hasn't been any, you can't go to a law book and say, well, we gotta, we have the sleepwalking defense. Right. Like the insanity plea. No, but um, I think that uh, you could probably find the same um, state witness or defense witness in the acquittals or or um, convictions. Yeah. I'll bet there's some like great professional witness out there who yeah. like can convince any jury that actually, if you're sleepwalking, right. you can't you can't possibly know what you're doing. Right. Well, the guy from Illinois last week that was acquitted was. Uh, I think they proved that he had a long history of sleepwalking, and this was some friend of his. He like went out drinking with her and slept, crashed on her couch, and then mm-hmm. he said he woke up to some guy punching him in the face. She said, that guy was the guy I called because you were assaulting me in my sleep. Right. And he was like, uh, I didn't mean it. Right. And they said, okay. Yeah. It took him like a couple of hours or something to decide. Yeah. The jury. Yeah, that was Jeez. really fast. I thought so, too. That's what I'm saying. There has to have been somebody who convinced them and just laid it all out for them because it's not like the average juror knows a lot about sleepwalking. It's all, you know, the cabinet of Dr. Kelgari or, right again, the Brady Bunch. Yeah. Who, who's, who was that? I don't remember. I just remember there was a sleepwalking episode, was it seems like. I could be making it up. Uh, you talked about injury, and uh, I saw a study in England that 11% of uh, people that responded, sleepwalkers, said they have been injured. And it's usually like bruising or cuts, but I think 11% of that 11% actually broke bones. Wow. Which is not a happy way to wake up, I wouldn't no, think. No, it's not. Um, Chuck, sleepwalking is not the only parasomnia. Remember we called it parasomnia? Yeah. It's a sleep disorder. 
there are other parasomnias. And the first that I think we should talk about is called somnambulistic sexual behavior. Sleep sex. Inexplicably um, abbreviated as SBS. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, I wonder what the B stands for. I guess that's part of the ballistic. Maybe that's the Spanish... Um, the Spanish abbreviation. Perhaps. It's somnambulistic behavior sexual. Yeah, so sleep sex or sexomnia is, um, like Katie says in here, it's pretty much what you think. It's being asleep in the middle of the night and either you know masturbating or doing something to whoever is nearby right? sexually. Yes, and again, that can lead you to an assault conviction or you could wake up very happy depending on the situation. Yeah. Right? I guess so. And then, of course, there's the very, very famous sleep eating, which one generally associates these days with the um, sleep aid Ambien, right? Yeah, eating all kinds of crazy things with Ambien. Like cigarettes and raw meat. I think we've talked about it before, it seems like. Yeah, we've talked about it. Uh, Kristen Conger wrote an article on it, and um, apparently the chemical Zolpidem in Ambien like, crosses the eating and the sleeping wires in like one in a thousand people. And they don't know why. But I also found another stat that said one in one percent of people have sleep eating disorders anyway. So I can't, you know. Well, there's reports of people who have been on Ambien and then switched to another similar drug and have said that it all went away. Their sleep eating, abnormal sleep behavior. And then there was the first case of, well, the first documented case of a woman who was on Ambien um, who sleep emailed. And I, I can't stand the um, the term the media gave it, but Z-mailing with three Zs. awful. Yeah. It was completely awful. Uh, yeah, that was pretty cool because she emailed, she fired up her computer in the middle of the night, logged in to the internet, onto the internet. She had to uh, um, use her password, too. Use her password and sent uh, several emails that apparently were a random mix of upper and lower cases, and they were written in some strange language. Although when I read the first email, it didn't seem very strange to me at all. Uh, no, it said, um, <laughs> this is a quote, Come tomorrow and sort this hellhole out. Dinner and drinks, 4 p.m. Bring wine and caviar only. That seems like a very normal email to me. Right. I've, I've sent that same, very same email before. <laughs> what about the second one? Yeah, one said, what the? Yeah. A dot, dot, dot. I think, but it was the mix of all caps and lower case that really just kind of... That had to be a little off-putting to see that. It looks like brain damage. Yeah. You know? It's like brain damage in text form. She's probably seen a doctor by this point, I would say. Yeah. Although she was on Ambien, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, that probably explains that. Zolpidem, like you said. And then also uh, this week, very sadly, a guy fell. He basically walked off of his third-story hotel room in Majorca and just, like, broke a leg. And hit his head, too. And hit his head. And his girlfriend, just like, this, she woke up to find her boyfriend had gone out the window. Yeah. Awful. <laughs> That's more than a bruise, my friend. And if you like connecting podcasts, there was a guy um, in England in Hartlepool, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, and on um, <laughs> Holy Island at the Crown and Anchor on Holy Island off north the Northumberland coast. He woke up in quicksand. <laughs> Actually, yeah. he sleep he sl- he drank too much, but then he sl- he sleepwalked. He SW past tensed um into the uh marshland 
and found himself waking up in the in sinking in quicksand or in, yeah. trapped in quicksand. Crazy. And the guy was smart enough to know that you stop struggling uh-huh. and lie flat. I wonder and if he listened, was a fan. Wouldn't that be something? It's possible, Chuck, because this just happened, right? It yeah. was um, August 11th. Uh-huh. I wonder. So uh, Sleepwalker Stephen Rook, if you listen to this podcast, right. let us know if we <laughs> saved your life. Put the bottle down, yeah. for goodness sakes. Yeah, well, he said he did. He said he uh, spent the next day in bed, and uh, he was avoiding alcohol for a long time and wants to thank everyone, a friend said. Yeah, he'll be back on the sauce this weekend. Totally. I <laughs> I've said that before, too. Yeah. Uh, my uncle actually was a famous sleepwalker in my family. He, um, my uncle Steve, who, you know, as the guy who's helped us out before with some stuff, the guy we bought scotch for, AKA. Oh yeah. Uh, he had a few incidences when he was young and, uh, one time they found tracks in the snow leading from his house. So he went, apparently he said he went out to see if it was snowing. Uh, another time he fell asleep on the couch after school, got up and ate dinner and then later on woke up and said, hey, what's for dinner tonight? And they're like, what? You just had scallops. <laughs> and uh, another was time- Was it scallops specifically? That's what he said. Well, I asked him today. Uh, and then another time he was going to the store with my grandfather, and he fell asleep in the car on the way to the store and then woke up like in the shop that they were going to, like at the counter paying for something. Weird. What was he buying? I think he said uh, tickets to like a Danny Thomas uh, benefit show or something. It was like the early 60s. Yeah. I think pretty ticket. much everybody was sleepwalking in that line. Yeah. That's a hot ticket in Memphis, though, back in the day. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah? And I used to sleepwalk. All right. Let's hear it. Well, I, a couple of times I'd gotten up and just gone out to my... We had a, a split level, so I'd go out to the banister overlooking our den and just start yelling things. <laughs> and um, another time, I specifically remember I got up... I mean, I remember after it, obviously. Uh, I got up and I got ready for school. And took a shower and got dressed. And then I woke up the next morning and I was like, that was weird. I must have dreamt that. And I saw like the wet towel and my clothes on the floor. You looked and, down and you had your saddle shoes on. You're yeah. like, dun, dun, dun. I was like clutching shampoo. <laughs> so I, I don't sleepwalk anymore, though. I sleep talk, though. Do you? Oh, yeah. I do too. So does Emily. I think a lot of people sleep talk. Yeah, I, That's probably. no big deal. Yeah. What do you say in your sleep? Um, Yumi actually likes to use her iPhone to record me sleep talking. Yeah. And she loves to share it with everybody who will listen. I've never heard. Has it. actually emailed the sound clips to people before, but there's this one of me like just muttering and all of a sudden I go Tootsie Roll Pop. And then that was it. <laughs> I have no idea why. Why am I not on that email? That's disappointing. I don't know. I'm sure I could get it for you. Yeah. Um lastly Chuck, there's one a point that I found fascinating, which is people have always thought and still probably think cuz we're dumb that um, you act out your dreams while you're sleepwalking. Not true. Nah. The point that Katie Lambert makes is your brain's not really active. It's it's in this low delta wave that you couldn't possibly be dreaming in. So right. you're not actually acting out your dreams. But there is a disorder called REM sleep disorder where you actually are acting out your dreams. Right. It's the it's a sleepwalking that occurs in that. In that phase of sleep, the REM phase, right. where your brain's active, but your body's not supposed to be. Right. So you are really wound up if you have yeah. an REM sleep disorder. You really need to give up the trumpet immediately. Yeah, that's when you like wake up and you're uh, you're dreaming that you're you know cutting uh, wood for the fire and you're like chopping your wife's leg with your hand. Right. Exactly. And she goes, "What are you doing?" No, that's not what she's saying. I say, "I'm cutting wood, babe." You say, "I'm correcting you." <laughs> 
All right. Well, that's it for sleepwalking. Um, I can virtually guarantee you guys will email us your sleepwalking story, so please do. If you want to learn more about sleepwalking and read a page that didn't make it into this podcast yeah. at all about sleepwalking in the arts. Organically did not make it in. I guess you could call it organic. Well, we didn't say let's not include that. Just go ahead and type in <laughs> sleepwalking. That's one word. Or try SW past tense and see what happens. Um, into the handy search bar at howstuffworks.com. And I said I wasn't going to use handy anymore. Either way, this we've yeah. arrived at listener mail. That's right. Uh, Josh is going to call this uh, Pot Growing Granny. And this is from KM. I That's guess. cryptic. Yeah, it is. Uh, hi, guys. I literally just finished listening to your How Grow Houses Work, and I couldn't resist sending you this story. My grandmother has always been an avid gardener, an avid gardener. She was very interested in pretty plants and had learned at some point that marijuana was a very beautiful plant. Uh, so she decided she wanted to grow some just for the sole purpose of seeing what it looked like firsthand. Huh. Now, where would a middle-aged woman in eastern Pennsylvania get seeds to grow pot? From my college-age mother, of course. My mom, though, was not a smoker by any means, so when she asked to find, she was asked to find pot seeds, she of course pawned the task off to, to her frat, bro, uh, frat member boyfriend, who later would become my father. Hmm. Uh, my father was also not a smoker, but he had a frat brother that was known to partake in this uh, particular lifestyle, <laughs> and he has always only been known as Bob O in my family which I think is pretty cryptic. So Bobo got him some seeds for the grandmother. She planted them, began growing pot in her yard uh, to the dismay of my grandfather, who was good friends with the chief of police and the mayor. Wow. Uh, the plants grew beautifully in the open air of my grandmother's garden. They live pretty close to the center of the city. And as far as I know, there was no attempt to obscure them from being seen. Uh, the plug was pulled, though, when my grandfather decided that come winter... The, uh, well, the grandmother said we got to bring them inside this winter, and Granddad says no, we're not bringing those inside. So they went to the compost pile, or that's what that's <laughs> what the kid was told. And her glaucoma got much worse. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for that. Who wrote that? KM. KM. Thank you, KM, for your cryptic email. We appreciate that one. Um, if you have a story about your grandmother breaking the law, we want to hear it. Uh, send it in an email. To stuff podcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Want more How Stuff Works? Check out our blogs on the howstuffworks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex-
National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free at 